rich black woman. To the Rich Black Woman Podcast, where we empower you to be rich in mind, body, and bank. I'm your host, your girl Yaz, and I am here with another rich black woman, Maya Haradat, who is an award-winning entrepreneurship coach, speaker, and author. She's also the founder of the New Majority Institute. Maya focuses on business growth strategies for underestimated entrepreneurs and provides high-impact programs on sales, marketing, and employee development. She's also a featured subject matter expert in the Verizon Small Business Digital Ready program, a program I'm familiar with, and was awarded the New York City Small Business Award of the Year. She's also been seen in the New York Times, ABC, Fox Small Business, Black Enterprise, Inc., Fast Company, Huffington Post, and many more media outlets. Welcome, Maya, to the Rich Black Woman Podcast. Thanks so much, Yaz. I'm so excited to be here. And we are excited to have you, especially on the eve of National Small Business Week next week. And we know and we've heard that Black women are the fastest growing number of entrepreneurs in the country here in the U.S. And there's a reason for that, because some of us are fed up with corporate America, right? Yes, a thousand percent. And we are leaders. Many of us are natural born leaders. And that black girl magic just can't be contained in the corporate environment sometimes in the way that some folks want to control it. And so we are breaking out on our own and doing our own and we're doing it bigger and better than ever. And I want to know from you as a small business coach, entrepreneur yourself and someone who's had success in the business world, I thought it would be timely for you to help us black women entrepreneurs with key tips, tools, and insights on how we can really level up our game in 2023 and beyond. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you see and envision black women entrepreneurship in 2023. Oh my goodness. I love that question. I think it is everything that you shared and then some where it is such a major opportunity for us to take our talents, to take our ideas, and also to take those those thoughts a lot of times we had of how we could do things better, how we could do things, you know, we could make things more efficient, we could add that creative flair that we're known for, and finally do it on our own terms and not, to your point, have some of the different institutions that just, they don't get our style, they don't get our culture, they don't get why we're doing this, have them kind of put um, boundaries around what that like so for me having a business has been such a major win in my life i've worked at different points um you know with different companies but having a business has been an opportunity i think to just learn the, the types of things that i love learning and then find ways to contribute back in ways that are so meaningful and then the profit i mean come on like you know that's the that's the total win you take home what you what you are able to put out in the world and i i think that's awesome that's what we all should have absolutely I was thinking of, you know, Black women are leaving the corporate space in droves 
And it's also not easy. And so we don't want to paint the uh, glamorous Instagram feed and reel of, you know, (laughs) that entrepreneur life is just, you know, about being a boss babe and, you know, showing you pretty uh, photos of me in my office or traveling, you know, um, globally. But it really is about having vision and you've got to do a lot of hard work. And I was reading something as well. You know, May is also, I believe, National Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. And entrepreneurs suffer from, you know, a lot higher percentage of mental health issues because everything is on you. It's stressful, right? Right. How do we and what advice would you give to black women entrepreneurs as they are striking out and then also as they're looking to scale their business, like from your own wisdom? Sure. So it actually started with something that you highlighted just a moment ago, and I, I want to dig into that for a minute. One of the first things that you want to do after you've determined, well, what is the product or service I'm putting out in the marketplace and why, why is mine better than others, right? And I think you have to do some real groundwork on that so that you can then set your pricing up. Once you have the basics around what that looks like, you want to really step back for your company and see what that bigger picture vision is. And I find that far too often, I mean, I was guilty of it myself. For a lot of us, we get started and we're like, okay, well, I I know how to do this. I I gained the skill, you know, working in corporate or working whatever career field I was in. I'm really good at it. So I'm going to put this service offering or I'm going to put this product out into the marketplace and, you know, I'm going to make money from it. But for a lot of us, what we don't do is we don't step back and pull back the curtains on, well, how does a company really grow, right? How do you get to that seven-figure, eight-figure, you know, those larger levels? And a lot of times you've got to start first with determining what is your vision. So in other words, what is that bigger picture that you're really going after? And don't get me wrong, in the beginning, you know, figuring out how to, you know, keep the lights on, figuring out how to, you know, handle the things like taxes and all the basics, it can be very overwhelming. So I don't want to say that it's it's an easy path, but I think if you start out first with the vision and then you do the heavy lift to really build out your plan. And I focus a lot on sales planning so that you're not just showing up day to day, kind of hoping the money comes in, but you're putting forth a way of being able to kind of reverse engineer how you're going to build this business, how you're going to get more clients and more customers in. And again, to your point, like it's, it is going to be work. But I think that when you have that plan, it does give you that opportunity for those mental health breaks. Um, it gives you that moment when life starts lifing, right? Because yep. <laughs> that's real, right? Um, last month, I mean, I'll give a quick example. Last month, I, I lost a, a dear family member last month. And I was kind of shocked at how the grief hit me and the, the moments that it hit me. And I'll be the first to say that it was the plan that actually saved me because I was able to see, okay, so I'm not able to really function this month. Let's keep it real. But now I know exactly where I need to start at for next month. And it changes the conversation from it being this like desperation of like, I need to make money to, okay, here are the marketing steps that I need to take. What can I, you know, offload that I I have, I'm just going to have to wait until July or September to come back to again, because it's not going to happen. And that's okay, because there's a bigger picture that I'm going for in, in the long run. Yeah, that's so good in terms of having that plan and taking a step back. It's so true. Um, You know, sometimes folks get overwhelmed with looking at the vision. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips on how do you pause, take a step back? We all remember from, you know, those of us who've been in corporate, you have oftentimes those 
um, goals and objectives meetings, those (laughs) strategy meetings, right? So how do you take that discipline and apply it to your own business? And should you be doing that on a regular basis? You know, not just at the beginning of the year, but should, how often should you be revisiting that plan to make sure that you're on track? Sure. So I think a smart entrepreneur does two things. I think that you start out with understanding what that bigger vision is and then break out your strategies and goals from that. And then there's the critical piece. You have to do the work for figuring out how you show up as a leader. And that is going to look different for every person in here. And so the leadership part for me, where I like to start for a lot of Black women entrepreneurs, is digging into what are the sales stories, what are the money stories, what are the the mindset stories that you've grown up with that you don't even know that you do, right? Like, what are the, the hidden things that kind of show up? Because the more that you start to understand your patterns and strengths as a leader, right, the more that you start understanding these stories of like, you know, this is what I learned when I worked in different work environments. Like I've, I've got stories of my own. We all do. When I worked in those work environments, if I take time to unpack those stories, if I really take time to get at the heart of what I learned, both good and bad, that's where you really are going to have the opportunity to stand out and really, really shine for the long term and not burn yourself out. Yeah, that's good. And What would you say for folks who, you know, they are solopreneurs because we have a lot of black women solopreneurs. Totally. But part of that vision has to be, we can't be doing it all on our own. (laughs) That's right. Right. And so that's one of the challenges I see with black women entrepreneurs is that we're solopreneurs for a very long time, too Mm -hmm. long, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. And so I'd be curious on your thoughts in, how do you help encourage or how, how do you give a plan to black women solopreneurs so that a part of that vision that you're speaking about, Maya, is that in a couple of years, they're going to have a team to help yes. carry forth and bring forth that vision. Yes. So first of all, I love Yaz that you said, and I, I'm going to rephrase it in my own um, slang. We are taking the S off our chesses because we are not trying to be super women out here. <laughs> and, okay, enough and, of that. Uh-uh. <laughs> we are not doing it. And the solopreneur, while yes, it can be a very great place to start and there's huge advantages to it. it it's not the place that you want to have long term. So again, I would, I would, I would look at two different things. Um, one, and, and I feel comfortable speaking to the audience of black women, you know, just as if we're having, you know, we're all sitting around talking casually right now, your expectation and your story around solopreneurship. And here's what I mean by that, right? A large part in our community, there's a lot of conversations about being that superwoman, that super black woman that can do all things and can make all things happen. Now, I'm, I'm so happy to see some of the conversations in the social, you know, conver- you know, community right now changing around that. Like, we're like, no, we're not trying to do that. Rest is good, right? I, I need friends. I need community. But I need you to also take a step back for yourself and be honest with yourself. But how does that actually show up for me, right? Am I the one in the family, for example, that everyone always relies on because I'm the one that's always taking care of, you know, whatever the balls are that always drop? Well, that's going to mean when you start to try to grow your business right now, you need to do some work around that because I promise you, you're going to resist 
hiring people and not because there aren't good people around, but because you've built up over time a pattern of operating in a certain way. And yes, in your family life, that may be a great thing and it may be even a good thing, but it's one of those things I think we have to ask some really, really, really tough questions about it when it shows up in your business, right? So I'll out myself. I'm not going to point fingers on anybody, right? Like, you know, I grew up in a, a single parent household. My mom was the only parent that I grew up with. And I was totally guilty of that. You know, I, I know how to do this, this work really well. And it's always hard to find really good people. Well, you kind of have to do the work your, yourself internally. And that's why I think that leadership piece is really critical because that growth from solopreneurship to hiring your first couple of freelancers and contractors to then building out a team, some of it is going to require a large part of you doing the leadership work to build that company you want to be in. And that has the vision and that has the culture and the identity of where people will want to stay. And then, yes, of course, there are the actual tactical plans of like, well, how do I get the money? Right. How do I get the consistent revenue? How do I get um, what do I need to build out the services that I'm doing? I do a lot of work with entrepreneurs of, you know, exploring their current service offerings so that I can help them. Like, where's the money hidden? You know, I just did it today with a current client where we repackaged one of her service offerings and lo and behold, she's got a no brainer of being able to now give monthly services after she does the initial work. She can offer a six month package where they have access to reach out to her during six months and she gets to charge them every month. Right. And it fits perfectly. It fits perfectly into her goals and her plan. So I think the first part is that harder part of the leadership piece, right? Will people want to work for your company? What does that mm -hmm. look like? What do, you, what do you look like in terms of as a leader doing that? And then, yes, you want to definitely, you know, work through the tactics of, well, how do I get there? You know, what's the work that you're going to need to do to get to the first 100K? I can give you that formula. It's sales, <laughs> right? Yeah. You don't want to hear it. <laughs> you, you don't want to probably do it. And I get it, especially people that have had larger positions and companies for years. That sales work is hard. Um, once you get to a consistent, you know, six figures coming in, then you can really start to leverage up to think about different parts of who you're going to hire and what that's going to look like. But I would challenge people from day one, build a company that other people would want to work for. That's good. So let's unpack that a little bit, Maya. Mm -hmm. So I hear you saying two things. One of the things you said really resonates with me, and it's to the point of being the independent I can do all things black girl magic. <laughs> yes. I, you know, and that's been a blessing and a curse. Yes. You know, and, and in many ways, a curse. Yes. And there is this new movement in honesty. And I appreciated your own story because it's a story so many of us can relate to. We are the same, um, you know, story in that regard. And I see that sometimes that can impact what you, your secondary thought which was very insightful about the leadership aspect of sure. a black women showing up as leaders and creating companies that people want to be at and how those are related. And I really liked that because it's an interesting thought because mm -hmm. in order to be the effective leader, mm -hmm. and I want you to unpack this more, <laughs> then you have yes. to, it sounds like, forego that misindependent, yes. that I only I know controlling maybe aspect because yes. we had to be in control of our destiny because of survival 
but hey, we're moving out of survival. We're trying to go into thrival. And so we want our business to thrive. We want our teams to thrive. So explain how you, how we get to the other side of developing our leadership. Because oftentimes we're not given that, uh, those opportunities always in corporate to explore that safely without penalty, right? Yes. Others I, are extended more grace. So jump in there. Yes. No. And, 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 and to your point, this is all intentional, right? Like, so I sh- have struggled with this for a long time because how can I, so I'm now in, in my family for, for good or for bad, I am one of the elders now in the family, right? Which sounds weird, but I, I am. How can I, how can I discard what my, my elders and my ancestors taught me that allowed me to survive? to get to this place and move forward into this complete unknown. And I love how you described it as, you know, from survival to thrival, right? Um, it's, it's, it is a lot. And so I think it is a process. I don't think you can unpack it all within one day. I don't think you can, um, you know, figure it out, but I do think you have to be willing to do a couple of things. And one of the biggest ones and, you know, I struggle with this as well. I see it with a lot of the black women um, coaching clients that I work with is that we don't like to take risks. And there is a reason for that because risks can mean death in many cases, or they can mean harm, or they can mean, you know, not being able to survive and show up that next day. But I am going to challenge you start in your business right now by taking very small risks as tests. And I can give you examples of what that looks like so that you start building up your comfort zone around this so that now when you have to start moving into this zone of really leaning into that leadership, that's very uncomfortable because you're right. Now we have to discard that independent black girl magic that got us and recreate something brand new in your body. It's going to feel really uncomfortable. And you're going to resist it and you're going to fight it and you're going to kick and scream and it'll show up in a whole host of ways, right? It's, it's always, to me, it's always fun. Mine has showed up in my, my resistance to being visible around my business, right? So I've, my, my company, I've been able to have my company featured in a lot of publications. I've been able to speak on some, so many amazing stages, but I've really had to work for myself personally around this conversation around visibility, Because in the environments that I've been in, when I've worked with my B2B clients, visibility often meant that I was going to be putting myself in harm's way, right? Like I I would watch all the time other consultants and other contractors come in that didn't look the same way that I looked and they were able to take the risk and they got rewarded. And if I didn't follow exactly what I was being kind of given to follow, you know, I wouldn't be invited to come back again, or there'd be some excuse as to why they couldn't hire me in the first place. So I get a thousand percent what I'm saying about how much it's going to take to do the work. I'm also here to say that that work is how you're going to be able to thrive long-term. It really, really is. I have a business right now that makes so much more money that less stress out of me, right? Like I still do a ton of work and there's always more work for me to be able to do. But when I look at the rewards of having taken some of that journey, I look at the rewards of coaching clients that I've worked with where, you know, a lot of my clients, they're very mission driven. They're not driven around money. So like they'll get to a certain point in their business and be happy. And I'm like, no, we have a bigger vision. (laughs) There's a bigger purpose. Like let's get those team members on board because that's where you're really gonna make the real impact when you start leaning into that, the big thing that's going to show up is you. And it's going to show up where you're challenged around guiding people and leading people because you want to do it and be in control. 
And so I think that there's a host of ways of how you can start to unpack this. The first one is just be honest. It's going to show up and it's okay. Right. And then I definitely would recommend, I think, conversations with folks like you and listening to, you know, I've listened to several of the stories that you've had where people are just willing to put themselves in community with other smart, like-minded people. And that's half of the game right there. That's half of it right there is, is that you surround yourself with other like-minded people that will give you that buffer, that safe space, right? Like I feel so comfortable and so safe sharing this with you right now that I know that that's the game changer for a lot of us is find those communities. That's so good and so true. You know, a lot of times we don't seek help. And I had a really great podcast guest on not too long ago and she mentioned that and it resonated so much with me and I think our listeners because that's a part of that programming and conditioning that we've yes. done to protect ourselves and it's it can be harmful now as a business owner because you're absolutely right like if you're going to be an entrepreneur you must take risk calculated risk but you have to take risk and it's a part of expanding and growing your business and I think that you're, you're right, because so many people do depend on us, then we might be a little bit more, you know, shy and bashful to make that risk because, oh my gosh, you know, mom <laughs> needs this, yes. cousin needs this, dad yes. needs this, exactly. there's so much on us, so much weight. And so what I hear from you too is we've got to retrain our mindset and it looks like, you know, coaching is essential for that and having totally customized cultural coaching, uh, I think is really important, you know, from other women of color like yourself, who can relate and understand what we're going through, and can understand what our blocks might be, right. And then having that additional support network, that other sisterhood of other entrepreneurs, of other people who are uh, committed to per personal and professional self-development and honesty and a safe space to say, hey, you know, I'm having struggles with this or that is so critical to being a good entrepreneur, a good business owner. And to really, it sounds like actually those are some of the secret ingredients to 10x in your business is, you know, being able to get help, get a coach. And it's something I've been sh sharing with other people as well. And I love what you said, Maya, about, you know, showing up, you know, yes. we have to, and that's been a motto of mine more recently is just show up, like go to certain things that you feel like are going to be beneficial to you mm -hmm. and just show up, you know, um, and who knows what happens. And when I've done that myself, something good always comes from it. So, and it's a risk, right? It's goes it back to what you said about risk taking, like show up, do something different and see what happens. Right. It is, it is. And you know, it's, it's the best relationships I think I've had in business have happened from exactly what you said, where I just, okay, I, I don't really know about this event. I don't know who's going to be there. Right. And I'll, I'll just try it. Let's see what happens. Um, you find, I think some of the best opportunities and the, the best relationships from doing that. I will say though, that also too, part of it is, is that if you really go back to your sales plan from the beginning, you're going to start to see the connection of all of these dots that we're talking about. And it's, for me, it's showing up at events and taking risks and then going back and measuring, well, what worked and then what didn't work when I took that risk, right? So this way, if something doesn't work, that's fine. That's okay. 
but it also gave you some data. It also gave you some metrics. It also gave you something to kind of go with to be able to figure out where to go. But then on the other hand, to your point, when it works, oh my gosh, <laughs> right? Like it works. And, you know, that's when you get to blow your numbers out the, the water because you meet that one connection that can now help introduce you to someone else that has been on your, you know, your goal sheet for a while of, I want to get this type of client. And you just never know who you may meet at those events. So I absolutely love your suggestion about that. And I think do it strategically, like plan it out. Don't make it so boring that it's, you know, it's too um, hyper-focused because that's not us either. We're, we're people that, you know, we connect, we create, we, you know, it's so much goodness when you put all of us in a room. But I do think that it's not only just connecting with other people, but really start to see how that fits into where your next steps are. And then if that's not the right room, that's okay, right? You learned something, you got something new, you figured something out, and now it gives you some valuable information to go and to figure out the next room. Um, but Yaz, can I tell you, you have my whole heart when you talked about that customized cultural coaching. Yaz, can yeah. we talk about that one for a minute? Yes, we can. <laughs> uh, I have, cannot tell you how many times that I have worked with coaching clients or I've been in my group. I'm actually, I'll give you one example that showed up in my group several years ago, where if you don't have someone that understands your scenario, it can actually cause harm to your business. Mm -hmm. And so I've had a number of people that have gotten free mentoring, right? And I like to tell people free ain't always free, <laughs> right? It's going to cost you something. It, it is going to cost you something. And I understand, I understand as you're starting to grow the business, you're trying to conserve your resources. Trust me, I understand. I, I have lived that and I know what that really means. But you can be given advice, for example, I've heard this again and again, where people have been given advice that's wrong for them. And they go and they try to sell. And, you know, I'll just put myself in this scenario. I, as a black woman, I cannot sell in the same way that a white male can. Now, are there certain techniques that need to be included? Do I have to have a good open? Yes. Do I have to know how to close the account? Do I need to have good follow-up? Of course, that's universal. But there are strengths that I bring to the table because of who I am and how I show up in the world that a white male has no idea even exists because that's not his strength. That's not how he shows up. And so... I've heard it so many times where people have tried to mimic the ideas and the strategies that work for others. And if you're not in a container where people understand what your cultural strengths are, it can literally cause harm. And then the irony is, is then you need a group that can help pull you back up again and let you know, like, look, it's okay. It happened. Um, you know, we're going to pull apart what worked about what you did and what didn't about what you did because, Otherwise, I do think, and I think this is done intentionally, to be very honest with you, it's really easy to get over-mentored and over-given you know, given advice, but if the advice doesn't fit how you show up in the world, like how visibility is going to look for me is going to look very, very different than it might look for a white female. It just is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at visibility from a very different lens, and that's a good thing. And so I think it's not to say you can't take universal learnings from other people. Of course, I take advice and ideas all the time from all different types of entrepreneurs. But if you don't get very specific cultural conditioning, I mean, if you've never been in an environment, like I've been in an environment a million times where I'm not seen, mm. right? Yes. So then if I'm not seen, that's going to show up when I sell. Mm -hmm. That's good. 
And how do you explain that to someone who's never in their life ever had that experience of not being seen? You know, or the other one for me, that's a real common one that comes up when I do my workshops. And I've shouted this out even publicly when I do my workshops. If you have a group of women coming for an entrepreneurship workshop, very commonly, the black woman in the room won't speak up. And I've had other facilitators challenge me on this. And I'm like, no, there's a reason why the black women are not speaking up in the room. It's because they have to feel safe first. They have to know that they can trust you, that you are a safe person for them to connect with. They're taking notes on everything that you just said. Actually, if you want to go back and find out what you just said two moments ago, they will tell you. (laughs) Ah, Verbatim. (laughs) Exactly. They know exactly what you said. But you're looking at their silence as disinterest, and it's the complete opposite. Register safety first, and rightfully so. That is so good and so true when you said that. When you talked about not being visible, I think every Black woman knows that feeling, that pain of being ignored in the room, in society at large, and you are... They are dripping with knowledge, dripping with expertise, dripping with contribution. Mm -hmm. And it's either stolen from you Mm -hmm. or it is, like you said, ignored. And so what a profound insight that, you know, because you're bringing this to the entrepreneurial space, you've got to learn how to show up differently, but it's got to be authentic to you as well. And you're right, like there is something different when you are a black woman in the room and learning how to connect with that customer is very different. Uh, When you said that, I had a visual image like Mm -hmm. (laughs) of, you know, the white guy in the khakis and the blue shirts, the standard uniform. And then here's this sharp sister showing up because she knows she's got to look a certain way, you know, make sure people... Uh, don't judge her, you know, just doing everything she can to basically overcompensate, right? Um, when she shouldn't have to. And then the white guy just shows up and, you know, he, hey, dude, you want to sign this contract? And it's the well, signature. Hold up, yes. We could, I could break down for you about five different ways of how that's going to show up with the overcompensate. You ready for this one? Because just yes. when you said that, I got a visual image. You know where the overcompensation shows up? And this is directly why Black women on average are, are we're starting the highest number of businesses, but we are also earning the rates we are earning. It pains me. The yeah. last time I saw these numbers in 2016, it was $27,000 a year on average, where mm-hmm. the average woman entrepreneur is earning $137,000 a year. And that was by the Yikes. Federal Reserve. Yes. Federal Reserve. Like, so those are real numbers, <laughs> you know, like they have done their homework. Um And the overcompensation, oh, how many times have I had to coach someone or work with someone on getting their website out? Why? Because in corporate America or in their professional environments, if anything was wrong, and even if it was totally right, you still would have been picked on. You still would have been challenged. And so now when you show up in your business, guess what habit you're going to bring with you, right? You're only going to show up if your website is done what you think is perfectly, but then that's money that you're losing now from your business. Mm, That's 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 showing up as lost revenue in your business. The same thing is going to show up now when the first time you're going to get ready to deliver a pitch, the first time you're going to go to a networking event. Oh, well, I don't have this done right. And you're right. You're absolutely right. The white guy shows up in the room with khakis on where everyone else is fully suited and booted and he doesn't care. (laughs) Right? Girl. 
That's a word. That is a right? word. I'm just, I, I see like the whole lineup. Everybody. Right? And, and we have to, yeah. No, that's so good. I want you to tease that out even more because what I'm hearing is we are being paralyzed by perfection or Bingo. thinking that we need to have perfection when we don't. We just need to go back to what we talked about 10 minutes ago. Show up. Exactly. Exactly. You, you will think I, I had a question in my group this week where someone was asking me about their those and they were obsessing over. It. And I said, look, you could bumble the whole sales call and still get this. Yep. You really could stop stressing over getting the script. Correct. It's not, they're not going to buy because of the script. They're going to buy because you can solve their problem. Right. So focus yeah. on getting more of these calls on your calendar first and foremost. And I don't care how many of them you mess up because you're not really messing up, but it is that paralyzing by perfection. And it's, it's been trained by in us. And I get, I get, I get a thousand percent why it shows up, you know? So I work with that where it's like, you're going to have to literally unpack it in your body. It's, it shows up on a cellular level. So you know what? Just keep taking consistent small steps, right? I, I work with people. I want to get you to consistent six figures, but for some people that may take a while and that's okay. Take yeah. consistent small steps, take the small risk that paralyzation, that's why you're not getting the money. It's not because you can't deliver the service. Yeah, it's so good. I, I feel like I'm going to need to send this podcast to a few people I know personally. Please. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is you. This is you. Okay? Like, Listen. stop it. Just put up the damn website, okay? <laughs> Listen, I, I, I'm here to say, and I, I give this example all the time. I ran a, a six-figure business for years where I had a website that was not the best website in the world. And I didn't care. And I would tell people all the time because my ability to work with the customers that I work with is not contingent on how pretty my fonts are. Yeah. My customers want the service. And as long as I can demonstrate that I can do the work, I can do with quality, I can deliver and solve their problems. That's all they care about. And so yeah. while other people are futzing and fixing around, like my other favorite one is the degree syndrome. Mm. Oh, I'm going to wait till I get that certification or I get that degree and then I'm going to start. Mm. Why? <laughs> Always another thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and be clear, if you're in an industry where you need that license or certification, like, please be clear. I am not against education. That's not the thing at all. I think education is amazing. I love it. But I also think for too many of us, that's what we're using to cover up the fear of now having to put yourself out there and be visible and demonstrate that you have value, which you do. I firmly believe that you do. You just have to learn how to tell your value proposition. That's all. And it's going to take work to unpack that. But when you start doing the work and you start realizing, oh, I could be reaching out to clients with the same size contracts that I used to work on for years. You know, yeah. it's possible. It's totally possible. <laughs> yeah. No, so good. So many pearls of wisdom in this conversation. You know, just to recap some of them, really learning how to show up, learning how to show up with what you have, where you have it, Completely. understanding that the sale is going to come from your expertise and how you are, your style, your authenticity, Correct. and how you show up, and asking for help and getting coaching when needed. Yes. And not being afraid to seek out 
other culturally competent coaches that are unique to our experience as black women and showing up in the marketplace. Exactly. You know, what resources, like there's so much right now. I think another (laughs) place, Maya, that people get hung up on, I know this has been true for myself is there's so many platforms, right? Yes. So many platforms. Where do I go for digital marketing, Google ads, PPC, (laughs) pay for, you know, affiliate marketing. Yes. It's like YouTube, like it's just Twitter, Instagram, and then there's so much more like Kajabi, like all these (laughs) platforms, right? And you're trying to figure out what the heck, where do I start and what should I do first? Like where, where do you advise people? Sure. So first and foremost, I would actually start with let's first solve a problem that immediately as soon as you say what the problem is, that people want it, period. Mm. Like, let's start with that first and foremost. So for a lot of us, we start businesses in our passion area. And I think that's awesome. You should be passionate about what you do. Like, let's be clear about that. But if it doesn't, if you can't translate how that helps people solve a problem, then you are forever going to be pained with trying to sell it. So I would say start with figuring out what that particular thing is first. You do a couple of tests. Um, I do a whole process around customer discovery where you interview people first. For those that are like, I can't even sell anything. What do I do? Just start out interviewing your customers, your potential customers, and really understand what challenges they're dealing with and build a product around that. Now, once you have the product itself, then the real work to me comes in where you build out the sales plan and pick one marketing channel. To your point, not five, not 20, not four, and not, you know, 60 widgets in between. Pick one marketing channel. And the reality is, is if you actually spent time on that one marketing channel, no matter how much other people are saying, but you should be on this or you should be on that, really go down deep in with that. Build out your understanding of how often do you need to show up to get someone new to say yes? How often do you need to show up to build the relationship with people? How do you move people from the relationship to the close? Because that's the hard part, right? Like, how do I get someone to say, oh, I'm interested, but now I'm actually willing to spend money? If you actually spend time drilling down into that area alone and you build a plan around what that does right there, that's your game changer. And then that gives you the freedom and to be frank, the money, right? (laughs) To invest in the 40 or 50 different other ways. And what a lot of entrepreneurs will tell you that have figured out how to make money, it's, you know, and make really, really good money. It's not that they had 20 different ways of marketing, right? Or, you know, they were on 60 different platforms. Like to your point, if you want to do a course, then go get Kajabi and drill down and make the best courses possible for your audience. Don't then try to create, you know, an app on top of it. And then, you know, come out tomorrow with a, you know, a t-shirt line and, you know, like, like just stick with one thing. And again, I get it. Like I'm always coming up with new ideas. That's not the, that's not the problem, but take one thing, build consistent money out of that one thing. And then to be frank, that's going to give you a ton of room to explore all the other avenues and all the other areas in a way that you now can bring results to the table. And to be frank, you're bringing money as well, which like, I'm here for that. Like, you know, bring in the capital, bring in the revenue, you know, but drill down on one thing first and get really good at it. Yeah. Such sound and yet profound advice, right? One thing, just focus on (laughs) one thing, people. Focus on one thing, rich black women. That's and right. you can and you too will be rich in no time. Really, seriously. Any final thoughts, Maya, that you want to share? And where can people find you and tap into all of this amazing knowledge that you have? 
Yes, I would love to. So I've got a freebie on my website right now. That's the 21 questions you need to ask in your business if you want to make seven figures. And I did not come up with that phrase lightly because to me, it's so much more about than just the money. It's about building the foundational pieces to your business that are going to like sustain the business. If you can work on these 21 questions in your business, you are going to build a business that does not require you in there every single day. Like it is powerful what these questions do. So my hope for a lot of people right now, and I think, I think we are changing. There's a tide that's starting to change right now where we're no longer looking for that like quick money wins. I mean, you know, sometimes you need it and I totally get it. But I think a lot of people are now more willing to start to invest and really start to do the heavy lifting work. Like, what is your business model? What does your sales plan look like? What does your marketing plan look like? And then definitely to what we're talking about, like, would people want to work for your company, even if you can't hire them today, right? Would they want to work for your company? And the more you work on those parts of the business, and sometimes it's not shiny and, and, and glamorous and things like that, like it's going to require some work. But that's really where you're going to turn around five years, 10 years, 20 years, because you're going to have a solid asset. And that's what I believe a business really should be. You will have an asset that is doing amazing things for you because of that way that you approach being able to build your business out. So my goal and my hope is that every single rich black woman listening to this podcast is able to build a business that's an asset. Because when I think about what would show up in our communities, right, rich black woman showing up at community board meetings now. And mm. telling different politicians and community organizers or showing up at the PTA and being able to say like, well, no, 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 this is what we're going to do. And here's why, yes. <laughs> because I have the money to fund it. <laughs> the influence. Yes. Oh, that to and me what's, is, I'm sorry. What's your website? Sure. My website is, it's, so it's my name. It's mayaharidat.com. Um, M-A-L-L-A-H-A-R-I-D-A-T.com. And for those that are interested, I am working on a new brand, the New Majority Institute. You can just go to www.thenewmajorityinstitute.com. That's going to come up with additional programming and groups and conversations for women. Because I want to, I really want to reach a much broader base of women that are saying, yes, we bring value to this table. We know we are an asset and we're willing to do the work now to figure out how to build businesses that are assets. I love it. I love it. Keep us posted on that. Absolutely. And would love to have you back on when that, you know, is fully out there and, and anything we can do to help support. This has been a fantastic conversation. Normally, um, we don't even go this long, but I feel like (laughs) I could talk to you for a really long time. Likewise, likewise. And there's so much good stuff. Anything else before we close? Um, I, I think that, you know, if you haven't already looked at the work that you're doing, Yaz, I think what you're doing is tremendous. I am here for it personally times a thousand percent because I need to see more rich black women out there. So I would definitely encourage your listeners to check out the resources on your website. And I look forward to having more fun and listening to more podcasts because you get some amazing guests. And so thank you. I do. And you are definitely a part of that pantheon now. So and a part of the rich black woman family. So RBWs, you know where to find us. We're on Instagram at Rich Black Woman and on Facebook as well. And until we meet again. Well, that's a wrap, RBWs. Thank you for listening to the Rich Black Woman podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you like what you heard and you want more of it, 
please subscribe to our podcast. Until next time, live richly. That's my jam, y'all. Well, since you stayed to the end, hop on over to richblackwoman.com and sign up for our abundance newsletter for more after-party highlights like this.